Hi, I'm your host, Glenn Johnston, and welcome to Procurement Matters, the podcast series of the New South Wales branch of the Chartered Institute of Procurement and Supply, commonly known as SIPS. In this podcast series, we'll talk to procurement people of interest, ranging from those just starting their career journey through to seasoned leaders. We'll get some insights into what they are doing, what they love about procurement, and a little bit of insight into their personality. It's real procurement people talking with real procurement people. In this episode, we'll be talking with Giovanni Ferrente, Senior Marketing and Communications Manager at SIPS Australia and New Zealand. Hi, Gio. Welcome to Procurement Matters, the podcast that talks to real procurement people. Hi, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. Good on you. And thanks, Joe. And thanks for making time to actually catch up in person. Um, now that we're at the back end of uh, the COVID issue, it's, it's great to catch up with people. It's been a couple of years that we've been uh, sort of unable to, to meet face to face. So thank you uh, once again for, for making the time to meet in person. Agree. It's been way too long. Again, a pleasure meeting you in person after so long, Glenn. Good on you. Thanks, Joe. Now, my first question I'd like to ask our guests is about identity. Um, and so here it is. Who are you? Good question. Um, I'm going to answer very genuinely. I'm a simple, honest and humble Italian blog. I came to Australia uh, with a dream. The dream is still continuing. Um, I've made a career um, out of my move to Australia. I've made a family who's hopefully about to get bigger in the near future as I'm planning kids with my uh, fiance. Um, and he's someone that enjoys life, he's someone that enjoys human relationship more than anything else. Uh, I'd rather spend time with people that sitting on the couch and watching TV. Uh, I'd rather invest my time into making meaningful connection and spend quality times with loved ones and those that I don't know, because I'm curious as well. Great. No, great. And um, for those that have been in and around SIPs for, for many years, um, and we would you would know Gio, uh, he, he's been here for a number of years and we'll, we'll talk about his journey um, soon. But I think every person would agree that you are a people person, uh, that you love that uh, relationship um, and you come across that way. And I think, um, yeah, that's one of your, your real strengths uh, as well. Thank you. It's part of life. I'm a big people person because I believe in the power of people relationships. Yeah, nice. Now, what's your favourite book and why? That's a bit of a weird one, and I hope the listeners won't take that as a <laughs> as an unsettling answer. Um, a book I love is called Perfume, Story of an Assassin. It's a book from a German uh, writer called Patrick Suskind. Um, the book is interesting, and the reason why I like it is because explore, it explores the very interesting dynamic between the sense of smell and the emotional connotation that triggers people's uh, behaviours and reactions. So um, I'm not usually a fan of like very detailed descriptive writing. However, when I read that book, it made me feel like I could smell the sense that he was describing. And he made mm -hmm. me feel like I could feel the feelings and the emotion that the characters were actually going through. Well, yeah. I wasn't expecting that response. That, that's <laughs> that's very a weird good. one. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. 
Now, this sort of leads on to, to the next one. What's your, your favourite movie genre? You know, comedy, sci-fi, drama? Um, I like a bit of everything, but if I have to pick, probably action and psychological thrillers will be my two favourite genre. Um, I like when the action moves along fast in a movie, uh, but I also like a slow, introspective reflection on character psychology. Um, having said that, I'm more of a fan of a particular director and its style uh, rather than the genre itself. I'll give an example. I'm absolutely in love with Quentin Tarantino. Oh, yeah. Um, he's a quirky uh, and, and funny character, and I love a lot of his movies, um, in particular, you know, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dog are two of my favorite ones, yeah. but also Kill Bill, uh, particularly the second one. And David Lynch, I love his extravagance, mm. the fact that you never know what's going to happen, that a character might do something completely unexpected. So I love to be surprised. And those two uh, directors, again, along the genre that they, um, that they practice, uh, take those boxes. Yeah, oh, excellent. Now you mentioned that you're you're an Italian bloke, um, and you've got a slight accent, so we can we can <laughs> pick that. But this this one uh, this question goes back to um, if you can cast your mind back to your um, high school years. Um, and so, where did you go to high school, and were you academic, social, or sporting? Um, I did go to school uh, to high school and um, school throughout in Italy. Uh, high school. Um, in a small little town in the southeast of Italy, uh, the school was called Alfano da Termoli. Termoli is the name of my hometown. Um, and the high school was a scientific high school, so I did a lot of chemistry, did a lot of physics, a lot of math, which I loved at the time. Um, I was certainly not academic. <laughs> and if I, you know, if I think back now, I probably could have put a little bit more effort. Uh, however, I was very social. I'll be the one putting my hand up for uh, every sort of committee representing, you know, students or any any particular event. Um, and I was also very sporty. I played tennis uh, at a semi-professional level when I was a kid, um, mm-hmm. many, many years, which allowed me to travel um, and see a little bit of Europe as well. Oh, nice. So, yeah, obviously the, the, the social side, you, you still carry that through today. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And nice little insight I didn't know about the... Um, professional tennis i'm still an amateur i still love the game i watch the australian open every year i have been since uh, since i've been in australia yeah yeah oh, excellent now can you tell us um you know your past 10 year or so um journey and how did did you end up in your current role so when i first moved to australia the first challenge before thinking about you know uh, my professional career was how can i stay here <laughs> Mm. So I started doing um, part-time jobs in hospitality. That's usually what you do when you don't know the language very well um, and when you're still trying to find your fit in a new country. Um, Then moved on to a de facto visa with my previous partner and slowly managed to find my way into what I studied at uni, which was uh, business and marketing and managed to get a job as a sales consultant for a door-to-door advertising agency. And reflecting on that now, I think that was probably the best learning experience I had um, since since I entered the workforce, really. Uh, It helped me with the language, practicing every day. It helped me with confidence. I was 
asking people for their credit card details, which for me as an Italian, you know, I didn't think was possible. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't give it, you know, credit card details back in Italy. Uh, but it also taught me a lot in terms of the skills uh, that you need to relate to people. And this is, again, something that's been uh, there a constant throughout my career. So um, once I got into the corporate world, if you wish, uh, the transition was relatively easy into other roles. I did a few sales roles ended up in a uh, web development agency. And then I was um, with a very good friend of mine uh, who used to work for SIPS, uh, who told me about an opening at SIPS. I was very interested about the organization because of many reasons. First and foremost, it was a, a non-for-profit that did a lot of work with very large organizations and government. Uh, it was an organization that had uh, ethics and integrity at the foundation of everything they did. Um, and there was a people element very prominent, which attracted me to uh, to that position. So I started with Tips nearly nine years ago. Um, haven't looked back and I've enjoyed every single day. I started in the membership team. And then mm. after a short um, nine months, 10 months, it was actually just before a conference. They told me that the marketing manager quit and there was an opening they didn't have time to recruit. And then they looked inside the organization and. Uh, wonder whether anyone had like a marketing degree and uh, I happen to have a master in marketing and uh, they decided to uh, give it a go with me. Uh, boss at the time was very happy and they, um, yeah, they gave me the, the permanent position as the, the marketing manager. And uh, they also sponsored me to remain in Australia, which was uh, very, uh, very rewarding, mm. um, particularly because it happened in a, in a time where um, the business was struggling a little bit and yeah. uh, a few people were let go, uh, but they did believe in me and I'd like to think that I repaid that trust with the, uh, with the outcome that we produced uh, together over the, the years. Which is a, a nice outcome. I mean, you had the, you know, the technical uh, training, you had the master's degree, um, took it a little, little time to, I guess, find your way, but you ended up in you know, almost the ideal role uh, that suited your, uh, your, your, your background. Indeed. I think curiosity and tenacity um, get you a long way. So um, you can learn any technical skills. Um, if you have the right attitude and the right approach, you can make it anywhere, anytime. And, and I guess it also shows that you, know, you, you sometimes can't um, you know, structure your, your journey. You know, sometimes you've just got to go with the flow and, and see what happens. And, and sometimes the, you know, the planets uh, line up and, uh, and it falls in your lap almost. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'm absolutely a huge believer that uh, negative experiences, for example, are as good, if not better, than the uh, good experiences. Yeah. And everything that happens to us, professionally and personally, is just a means to the journey that we're meant to be doing. So yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of uh, leads on, on to uh, talking about your background, but if you... Um, had to identify your ideal or dream job, what would that be? And, and you can't say the your current <laughs> role. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be fair, although I do really enjoy my job. Yeah. Um, have you watched Mad Men? Yeah. The series about the uh, advertising agency back in the, uh, in the 70s. So yeah. my ideal job is a twisted, slightly twisted version of, uh, of, of the main character. So I'd love to work um, for an advertising agency that has a social and environmental lens. Um, 
I think uh, we've made, you know, the marketing profession has made, you know, leaps and bounds forward in the last 10, 15 years, particularly thanks to technology yeah. uh, that has enabled greater relationship with customer, but also comes with a, the flip side, you know, uh, that there's also like a, a, a double a double edge to that word that uh, that creates at, at times um, very concerning dynamics. I mean, if you think about social media and the usage that um, is done these days, it's not always for the better of people, for the good of people. Yeah, there's a lot of negative. So having the ability to work on a creative um, campaign or creative brief knowing that whatever you do can actually have an impact beyond the brief that a client might give you an organization might give you and actually deliver some outcomes um, that benefit you know customer i think it's really powerful very similar to what you know procurement can do as far as creating social impact and environmental sustainability just with the added element of creativity as a marketer very nice now what's the the best and worst part of your current job? Oh, there's so many things that I love about my job. Uh, probably the the biggest one is the variety. Uh, we're part of a medium to large organization, it's about 250 people worldwide. Yeah. Uh, but in Australia um, and New Zealand, we are a relatively small team, there's 12, 12 of us. Uh, and that gives me the opportunity to effectively be exposed to everything that the business does. It's not just the marketing piece, it's literally end-to-end. We do a lot of our operational planning together. Um, we do special projects together. And certainly that has given me such a, a learning curve to deepen my understanding, not just of, you know, of the marketing fundamentals and the applications that I use on a daily basis, but also at a broader business aspect. As an example, I was privileged and fortunate enough to be thrown in the mix uh, on our modern celebrity project yeah. And I've led SIFT's representation uh, on the formation of the Act in Australia. I've been so humbled to be sitting in a room with very influential people, learning about the issue and actually contributing to the drafting of the bill itself. So yeah. that's definitely been the most enjoyable aspect. And um, the worst, and there are many, uh, it's probably um, related to the limitation that we have. And this is not, you know, probably uh, unique to SIFs, organizations, and, you know, even us as individuals, we have to work within certain boundaries. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes those boundaries, you know, can constrain your creativity or your willingness to go beyond. So um, we all have rules to abide. Sometimes, you know, there's things that you can't do, and that's uh, that's where I struggle. <laughs> yeah. That's where I, uh, you know, have some challenges. Um, yeah, to, you know, to think, why do we need to stop? Yeah, I think we all struggle with uh, boundaries um, at times, which sometimes are our own doing, but sometimes they're just uh, beyond our, our control or our, our force. Now, what do you consider the most important um, attributes of leadership? Uh, question. I think there are three that for me are uh, absolutely fundamental. Um, first one is kindness. And mm. say first because it's the easiest one as well. Uh, it doesn't require too much effort. I believe everybody has uh, in him or herself the ability to be kind. And to me, it's the most impactful one because 
I'm not a religious person, but if you look at, you know, uh, what Bible says, don't do to others what you wouldn't want others to do to you or treat others uh, like you'd like to be treated. Yeah. That's the principle that, you know, to me sums up leadership in one sentence. Uh, the second one is respect. With no respect, there is no interaction. Everything um, happens personally and professionally in a, in a leadership dynamic has to be founded on respect. And the third one is humility. I think um, we live in an era where the ego throughout, you know, a number of channels comes across as the prominent trait of leadership. You know, confidence is projected as the most important bit. I think that reverse humility and the ability to say, I was wrong, I am wrong, I will be wrong, it's very important. And this is coming from someone who, you know, is very confident. I, I think of myself as a very confident person. But I'm also a person that says very often I'm wrong. Sorry, I did that. I shouldn't have. So I think that's a that's a very important part. Yeah, no, very nice. Not not your traditional uh, type of leadership uh, characteristics that people often um, peel off, but I think they're really fundamental uh, as well and often overlooked. Yeah, again, I think they they're more of a reflection on the person. I think you know if you're a good person, it doesn't take too much to be a good leader. Mm. Yeah. True. Now, do you have role models or mentors? Uh, yes, some role models. Uh, not quite on the mentor side, and I'll elaborate in a second. So yeah. I consider my parents as my role models for a very simple reason. Um, I mean, throughout the discussion, you probably get it that I'm a, I'm a very value-driven person, and I'm incredibly thankful to my parents for having given me and having taught me the ability to um, distinguish between right and wrong with a degree of, obviously, uh, of variance. But um, they also taught me that generosity and compassion are very important things. And those are the values that I live by. Those are the values that I try to um, use when dealing with others. Um, in terms of mentor, I have a very unique view about that. I don't know if it's unique, but um, I don't have one mentor or a number of mentors. I believe that learning is not limited to a mentor-mentee relationship. Yeah. I believe that I learn every day from every person I interact with. And the way I learn is by asking questions, asking for advice, asking for opinion, asking for guidance, asking for support, asking for help. So defining the one-on-one -on -one relationship typically characterized in the, you know, in the mentorship, so the concept, uh, I see that as a little bit limiting. Um, this does not mean that the concept is wrong. I just think that you take that construct and you apply it to all the relationships that you have in your daily life. You know, you could learn from someone who's at the supermarket counter as well as someone who's the CEO of a big organization. So yeah. that's my approach to learning. Yeah, no, very nice. Yeah, and, and, and I agree. I think there's there's a place for the formal um, struct or construct of mentoring and so on. But yeah, you, you're right. You can learn someone something from someone in five minutes. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be a six month uh, structured course. Uh, I, I agree fully. Absolutely. Now, what's the future of procurement uh, or, or the next big thing to you know, to affect or disrupt? Uh, that's a tricky question. Uh, I don't have the crystal ball, but if I have to pick one thing, I will pick something that's already here. Um, and that something is technology. 
I believe um, as much as we have been talking about that for you know a good number of years now, yeah. that and not many realize the, the impacts or the power or the potential of technology. Um, I think it's not only going to affect procurement, it is already affecting procurement, it's already affecting our lives. If you think about, again, bringing it back to people, the dynamics between grandparent and a, and a child. You know, a, a child at the age of six, seven, probably have more technological savviness that their grandparents would ever have in their entire life. Yeah. And that also determine how, you know, the grandparent interact with the child. Because if you don't understand the latest app, probably you'll struggle to have a report with your grandchildren. So um, similarly in a business, you know, uh, environment, if you don't understand, if you don't grasp the full potential that technology can bring and can do, not just for organizations, but again, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the social element, the environmental impact. Um, I think if we don't embrace that now, we have a massive chance of lagging behind. And if you look at, you know, traditional sort of economic theory, you know, the early adopters, you know, you've told you've been told that you know they usually have an advantage mm. in this particular case i believe that you know if we're late adopters of a technology we might not arrive at all so it's not just about getting a, an advantage it's, it's life of that kind of situation yeah. you know there's there's talks of like metaverse and you know virtual reality things that you know are already reality in some business and and yes the reality in many organizations that you know we work with as an example is still very much uh, on an elementary technology implementation uh, kind of discussion so i think this is going to accelerate as technology becomes cheaper and more affordable but that requires a fundamental change in the way it is viewed um, again remove the fear component that we're going to be replaced hmm. That, yeah. that's never going to happen in any profession in any part of the world it's only going to let us do the things that are more relevant again the people aspect um you know the innovation piece because innovation doesn't come from technology innovation that comes by someone thinking about something new or different yeah. technology is just a tool so exactly. that's for me the next big thing how procurement manages to ride the technology wave could be um, a very important definition of the profession itself yeah and i, I like your little point there about um yeah the, uh, the the speed of technology that years gone by we could have almost waited and, and just allowed ourselves to catch up now there's no lag time it's you've got to be on the front foot exactly because by the time you catch up it would already be another development and yeah. you'll be playing catch up forever until you you know you either change dramatically the way you you know you you view and approach you know technology adoption or you you know you extend yeah exactly now, now what advice would you have for people entering into a career in procurement um more than advice and encouragement. Um, throughout my time at SIPS, I've heard many times referring to procurement as a boring profession. You're at the back office, you're you know pushing purchase order. It cannot be any further from the truth. From my experience, procurement has been nothing but an exciting profession where you get involved literally in everything that the business does. If you think about business operation, from a linear perspective, 
the cumin is at the start, is at the end, and is all the way throughout. Because you're at the start of a buying process, you're at the start of the input, you walk the organization through the doing, and then you control the output. And then you manage the relationship within those transactions, you know, through your supplier to your customer, because now Pecumin is very focused on customers as well. Yeah. Becoming a, a customer of choice, you're part of a bigger supply chain. So the advice or the um, the recommendation is don't, don't look at Pecumin as something that's old, antiquated, and, um, and non-exciting. Again, cannot be uh, more untrue. It's a very dynamic profession. It gives you a very large variety of skills because you have to again learn about technology you need to managing be managing relationship with suppliers and with internal stakeholders which is not often easy hmm. uh, you can be the the engine for innovation often most most organizations um, have innovative ideas that derive from their suppliers or their customers so you can harvest as part of that innovation you can help your business actually transform so have a have a go at it. That would be my advice, especially for for younger, um, for graduates or people coming out of uni or vocational learning. Just have a go, because like I did, you probably won't look back. Yeah, and I think that's great advice. Um, people often um, are in control of their their outcomes. They just don't know it. If they take that initiative and use you know the environment of procurement, you you really can be anything to to anyone. Absolutely, particularly because procurement these days works with literally every functional area of the business. Yeah. You know, you're not limited to one particular category of products or project. You actually do have the exposure to everything that's happening around. Yeah. And the impact that you can make. I mean, if you think for a second that on the average organization, 65 to 70%. Um, of the company overall turnover actually goes through procurement. Yeah. You can straight away think, you know, well, I really have an opportunity to make an impact here. 70% of what happens in the old business, you know, comes through to us. Yeah. That in itself should be, you know, a stimulus to say, I want to know about procurement. Where do I sign up? Yeah, yeah that, that's great. And, and finally, a bit of blue sky mining where will you be in five years time now you're only a young man so you've got many lots of five years ahead of you so where do you think you, you'll be oh yeah i'm not so sure um <laughs> look professionally i don't have an answer and i don't want to you know say i will be you know x y or z i'll have this title that title or this company i can tell you for sure that i know where i want to be as a, as a man uh, i want to be a father, I want to be a supportive husband. These are the priority for my life at the moment. Yep. Um, what I can tell you about where I will be professionally is that I would have, I would want to have looked back and say I've made an impact in those last five years on the things that I'm passionate about, which is sustainability, social impact. So my my view of myself in five years is the view of someone that has made the world. A little bit of a, a better place yeah no, very nice and as a um as a father and and now also a grandfather i can only wish you well on your your journey of fatherhood it is one of the most uh, rewarding things uh, we get to do um, so good luck with that thank you 
Now, Gio, thanks for sharing part of your life with us uh, and offering some valuable insights. I think we've we've all learned um, actually quite a bit about you today in our, our little session. Um, so thank you for your time. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Glenn. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you for the opportunity.